0: Our text today is uh, from the book of 1 Peter, and so uh, if you will, read along uh, silently. It'll say sermonic text at the beginning of, I think, about the, the third page there. So as, as I read, I'd like for you to, uh, to read along silently. <clears> 1 <throat> Peter, chapter 3, verses 18-18 through 22. 1 Peter 3:18 through 22. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, when the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is 8 persons, we brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. And to the reading of the word of God, let us all say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted to mention this uh, last Sunday, but I was sick. January, the Sanctity of Life Month, and it's that because it memorializes the the 50 million or more uh, pre-born children that have lost their lives to the uh, infamous Roe v. Wade decision, which was on January 22nd of 1973, about 41 years ago. This congregation has always been pro-life and with God's help will always be pro-life. I'm not preaching on that topic today. Uh, but I hope that you'll read, uh, and take a chance to read a blog that I sent out about a week ago titled A Curse on a Side. If you didn't, it's at DocSandler.com and just go back in your email. It's not long. You can read it in five minutes. I hope you do that. Now, it's, this is February and churches around the United States today are, many of them at least, are centering their worship service on the Super Bowl <clears throat> uh, as though they invited Jesus to the tailgate party. Uh, I'm fairly confident that the uh, triune God isn't quite pleased with that. The church is not called, by the way, to sort of cash in on the world. You know that, don't you? The church isn't called to cash in on the world. It's called to speak the truth with charity and with clarity. So there's not going to be a Super Bowl Sunday at Cornerstone. And there wouldn't have been even if the 49ers had been in the Super Bowl, by the way. And now that doesn't mean that uh, this Sunday isn't super... In fact, every Sunday is super for the church. We meet every Sunday to commemorate what event specifically that happened 2,000 years ago. That's why every Sunday is super. But this Sunday is especially super. <coughs> it's Baptism Sunday. Uh, so let's not call it Super Bowl Sunday. Let's just call it Super Baptism Sunday. How does that sound? Um, I want to draw your attention, and if you have your Bibles, please open them to 1 Peter chapter 3. I won't be long today. We're going to take good time for baptism. Um, Aren't you glad that you have a minister that preaches direct, short messages? Uh, I was trained, the philosophy of preaching is stand up, speak up, shut up. And I've tried by God's grace to do that. I want to draw your attention today to Peter's really unique, kind of striking teaching on baptism there that we read. I've preached many, many times about baptism in our church, but I if I remember correctly, I don't think I've preached, maybe I have, but I don't remember preaching <coughs> from this one in First Peter chapter 3. Now, Peter's been talking about the topic of suffering in the Christian life, and he offers uh, our Lord as an example, that we're to suffer as he suffered. He talks about the need to answer respectfully those who persecute us. We don't curse them, we answer them respectfully, and how in all things we're called to maintain a very pure conscience. But today I really want to look at this odd statement that Peter makes in verse 21. This is really fascinating. Uh, He's just been talking about Jesus' atoning death and Jesus' bodily resurrection in verse 18. And he makes a fascinating point in verses 19 and 20. That Jesus and the Spirit preached to the sinners in Noah's day. Now, this passage has often been misunderstood by Roman Catholics and many Protestants to be saying that Jesus did the preaching when or just before he was resurrected. But if you look at the passage carefully, that's not what it's saying. That's not Peter's point at all. Peter's saying that the sinners from Noah's time, who are now in prison, that is, they're now waiting the final judgment, are the same ones that Jesus preached to in Noah's day. Isn't that amazing? He means that God's son was at work in Noah's preaching. And that every day that Noah got up and was building the ark and was preaching and warning, please, God's judgment is coming. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in what I'm saying. That every time he preached, the son of God was at work. Preaching in Noah's preaching. The great preacher of righteousness, the Bible says. Jesus, I say, was at work in Noah's preaching to these wicked folks, the antediluvians before the flood. And God was very patient with them. But finally, according to verse 20 there, you saw, finally God unleashed his fury. And then Peter makes this remarkable statement. Baptism corresponds to this. What? Baptism corresponds to this judgment. Literally, he says, corresponds. The word there is a word from which we would get antitype. That it's the fulfillment of, of the type that God's laying out in the Old Testament. In other words, the floodwaters of Noah's day were the type to which baptism would one day correspond. Now, of all of the Old Testament uses of water, and there are many uses of water in the Old Testament, right? All sorts of uses of water in the Old Testament. Why did Peter select this one? Why not sort of the opening of the Red Sea? And why not the water coming out of the rock? Other people use those as examples. Those are perfectly good examples. But why did Peter select this one? The reason is that this example of water teaches something vital about baptism that no other passage does. And it's simply this. And you ready for it? This is basically the whole sermon. And I'll elaborate for a minute. Noah's floodwaters that judged the world saved the righteous. And that's kind of how Peter expresses it verse 20 noah's family was brought safely through the water wait brought safely through the water the water was god's judgment and yet and yet the water was god's means of salvation and safety for the righteous like the water of baptism that now saves us these are the same flood waters that drowned the wicked and held up the righteous peter's point is that the waters of baptism are both judgmental and salvatory. That is, baptism both judges and baptism saves. The same water. How is this? Well, we often don't think about the fact that baptism is an act of God's judgment on the world. Now, how is this? There are several ways about that, and I could spend a long time talking about it, but I won't. I'm just going to mention one today. (coughs) Baptism is a mark of covenant exclusion not just a mark of covenant inclusion. Does everybody understand that? Only those to whom the gospel promises apply may be baptized. Only those. Um, Let's take for an example. Let's say that this week there is a mother that calls me, and uh, she's had a little child. Let's say it's a daughter. And she asks us if we can baptize her daughter. And she's not a Christian, And uh, doesn't want to bring her daughter up in a Christian church. But she just likes the idea. You know some people like the idea. The right of a child being baptized. If she called me and did that. Would I say sure. Come ahead. We'll baptize anybody. Would I say that? No. I'd say you know what let's talk about the gospel. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Get in on the covenant promises. And then we'll talk about baptizing your daughter. Years ago. Uh, there was a perverse rock star. She's still around. You ever hear of Madonna? Is she, she's she got to be like 80 now, 85. <laughs> <coughs> I remember this very, very well. It was quoted in the press, and I quote it in a book or a chapter that I wrote. <coughs> somebody asked her, how could you... She, wanted, she had her daughter baptized. Really, I'm not joking. She had her daughter baptized. And one of them, somebody from the press was astute enough to ask her, I mean, how can you do this, Madonna, since you, you aren't a faithful Catholic? She says, well, I don't really believe in the doctrines of the church and i don't you know really obviously believe uh, the bible but i just like the 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 rites and the the rituals of the church i appreciate its rituals they're just so beautiful that i want my daughter to participate in the ritual of the church oh bon humbug Baptism isn't chiefly a ritual, though it certainly can degenerate into that. Baptism is the visible act of God's taking a person out of the sinful world and placing him into Jesus Christ's body. The visible act, not the invisible act, the visible act. It's the visible act that corresponds to the invisible work of God in the heart of a man, a woman, or a child. When that happens, baptism visibly excludes everybody who isn't baptized everybody who stands outside of Jesus Christ. And here in a moment, in five or ten minutes, when you see the baptism, you're seeing witnessing a covenant inclusion, but you're also witnessing a covenant exclusion. That those outside the ark are without Jesus Christ and stand under God's judgment. It's a mark of covenant inclusion and a mark of covenant exclusion. Of course, God alone knows who's Truly, invisibly excluded. Only he sees the human heart. But baptism isn't about seeing the human heart. It's about seeing the human body with God's mark of ownership on the body. That's what baptism is about. (coughs) And it's about recognizing that any body, B-O-D-Y, any body that's not baptized stands outside God's, visibly, God's covenant dealings. That is, they stand under God's judgment. The same floodwaters of Noah that were carrying the ark away from judgment were drowning the sinners in judgment. Everybody understand that? Now, Peter says, notice verse 21. Did you see what Peter said? It's very plain. He says, baptism saves us. Now, if you ever hear anybody say, baptism just doesn't save, they're contradicting the inspired word of God. Peter says that, doesn't it? Baptism saves. But we have to ask, in what sense does baptism save? Peter right away says, not as the removal of dirt from the body. Now, we know water does this, right? That's why we bathe in water. Or at least I hope you do. Because we wash in water and it gets us clean. But Peter's saying, baptism doesn't wash away our sins like water washes away dirt on our body. Though, of course, it pictures that fact. No, baptism saves us by allowing us to stand in good conscience before God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. That's a beautiful statement about conscience. We can be bold. Our sins don't accuse us anymore. We stand with an open face. That's kind of what good conscience means. We can stand with an open face before God, not because of our own righteousness, but because Jesus has died for us. He has taken in his body all of our sins and the payment for our sins. So we with a good conscience can stand before God. Say, God, you can accept us because of what your son has done. Please work in our lives. Please answer our prayers. We belong to you. We're your covenant people by grace. The answer of a good conscience. Because we're righteous in his sight. Jesus has taken away all of our sin. And that's why verse 18 says, did you notice that? I think it was maybe the first verse I read. Christ also suffered once for us. The righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God. Do you understand that point? Don and I were talking about that. Well, it wasn't this week I was sick. It was the week before, I think. We can't be brought into God's presence as sinful people. God is a holy God. But God leveled his judgment on his son who bore our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. And by his suffering on the cross, he made us holy so we can stand with a good conscience before God. That's what it means to have a good conscience. And that, by the way, is why we have to be a holy people. God makes us a holy people so that he can dwell among us. And all of those churches that don't preach on holiness... They're really saying they want God to dwell among an unholy people. And do you know what? God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. And that's why for Israel, what did he do right away? When he established symbolically the tabernacle and then the temple. Right when you came into the tabernacle and the temple, what is the very first thing once you got in, what you got there, what's the very first thing that you encountered? Do you remember? You walk right in? The cleansing. The great altar of burnt sacrifice. What does that symbolize? That someone has to suffer for sin to make us righteous. And then, of course, we have to have the water and be washed because we have to be righteous before we go to God. And that's what Jesus Christ does. And that's what baptism signifies. That we can be righteous and holy before God. (coughs) Now, I want you to think about Noah's floodwaters again. The very same waters that judged the world, these very same waters carried Noah and his family to safety. Think with me about that. The very judgment on Jesus that was God's flood of wrath on him carried us to safety. It was the same judgment. In other words, God's judgment on his son is our salvation. Does everyone understand that? God's judgment on his son is our salvation. It's the same judgment. God didn't have a separate plan for our salvation. I'm going to have my son suffer as an example. And then there's some other way that I'll make sure these people are saved. No, it was God's judgment on his son on the cross that is our salvation. In the Bible, God's judgment and salvation almost always go together and never more so than at the cross. God judged Jesus Christ on the cross and that judgment brought us salvation. Just like the floodwaters that judged Noah's Contemporaries carry Noah and his family away from God's judgment in the ark. The same water that drowns can also support. The same water that kills also rescues. Now, in just a minute, we're going to have baptism. There's no magic in the water of baptism. But that water signs and seals our salvation. When these children are baptized today, we're witnessing judgment and salvation. We're witnessing God's judgment on the world, his exclusion of all those that haven't placed their faith in Jesus Christ, all of those outside the ark, all those outside the ark of safety. And we're also witnessing an external act of God's wiping away our sin by the judgment he leveled on Jesus. We're witnessing an act of covenant inclusion. In other words, these two little lambs today, these two little lambs, are being visibly placed in the ark. That's what's happening. They're being visibly placed in the ark. Not that they aren't safe now, but there's a visibility to it of being placed into the ark. That's why we can rejoice with these lambs today, God's chosen ones that he places in the ark of safety. And that's, by the way, why it's a super Sunday today. We can rejoice of God's covenant inclusion in these precious little lambs. Let us pray today. Father, bless this precious, precious time of baptism, little Eli and little Seth that have been given to you. Oh God, I will pray specific prayers of dedication for them, but Lord, I pray now in general for our congregation that we recognize these glorious truths of baptism. Lord, may they affix themselves to our hearts. And Lord, you gave us these sacraments because we're so weak and we need visible testimonies of your invisible acts. And Lord, may we never forget them. Pray it, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord, and King. Amen. I'm going to ask one of our deacons, Dave or Mark, if you will, I need, uh, there's another cup back there. <clears throat> What's that? Oh, is it, where is it? Is it? Oh, look at that. They're, these guys are so much smarter than I think they are. What's that? Yes, let's get those kids in here. In just a minute, we're going to baptize in order. And because each baptism is uh, important, um, what's that? You're going to do yours next. You got it. It's good if Anthony can be here. No, that's okay. That's great. It may be. In fact, I think it's possible that Ty will be getting baptized next weekend too. So that'll be great. So we'll have one baptism today and one next week. That's great. Come on in, little guys, and get ready for baptism because it's so important. (coughs) So little Eliah will be uh, baptized today. And... um, We'll have the whole family come up. And Asher, you need to clean up your face so you can be ready for the baptism. It's going to be a great thing. So I'm going to have Tim and Sarah come up if they will, and the children come up and prepare for baptism. Now, remember, you guys can come up here, Tim and Sarah, but uh, remember that the congregation also, because this is a covenant body, will be called to take a very important vow to help in training these precious children where it is appropriate. So please listen to these... uh, These glorious vows. And anybody, of course, that wants to take pictures, feel free to come up and get ready to do that. (coughs) Sarah and Tim, I want to assure you, don't worry, I may be coughing, but I'm not, uh, my infection's gone, so. We're we're, we're, We're all coughing, so. Oh my. God bless you. God bless you. All right, Sarah and Tim, I'm going to ask you, as you know, uh, three uh, vows you don't have to answer after every one but wait till the end and then uh, you can answer uh, <clears throat> yes if by God's grace you can and intend to fulfill these vows Tim and Sarah in presenting Elijah for baptism <clears throat> do you confess your faith in God as your heavenly father and in Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord and in the Holy Spirit as your sanctifier And do you present her to be baptized earnestly desiring that in the Holy Spirit's own appointed time he will accomplish in this little child's life all that is meant and signified by Christian baptism? Do you promise, completely dependent on God's grace, to teach Elijah the truths and duties of the Christian faith and by prayer, precept, and example to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and in the ways of the church of God? If you're willing to do this, say, we do. Congregation, do you vow as God gives you strength to pray for little Elijah and nurture her in the faith and to love her and to assist her parents where appropriate to bring her up in the nurture of the Lord and of the church? If you're willing to do that, say together, We do. We do. And now from the French baptismal rite. Oh, and I love this. Little child, for you, Jesus Christ has come, has fought. For you, he has suffered. For you, he entered into the shadows of Gethsemane and the terror of Calvary. For you, he uttered the cry, it is finished. For you, he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And there for you, he intercedes. For you, even though you do not know it, little child, even though you do not know it, but in this way, the word of the gospel is made true. We love him because he first loved us. God bless you. God bless you. You're okay. oh. now little eliah ruth folkert i baptize you into the sign of the cross in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit <clears throat> let us pray oh father thank you for this little child that you brought into the world and we think of psalm 139 And how in her mother's womb, her little parts were knit together so beautifully. Oh, in a way that we could never understand. What an amazing miracle it is. But Lord, even more importantly, you knit together her mind and her soul and her spirit so that she could be your child and believe the truths of the gospel. And Lord, just as she was surrounded in the womb in the amniotic fluid, may she always be surrounded, O God, in your covenant love and your covenant mercies. And bless her parents and give them great grace and strength and great wisdom. And Lord, may they encourage her. And they, may they rebuke her as necessary. May they love her. And Lord, may they keep her close to your church. Close to the gospel. Lord, keep her pure in this very evil world and protect her. And Lord, if there comes a time when she's tempted begins to walk away from the faith, O oh God, I ask that you'd please chase her down by your tender love and mercy and do what is necessary to bring her back to you. We know that it's likely that it is your design for her to be married, so we pray perhaps the one she's to marry has already been born in the world somewhere. May he grow up to be strong in the faith, of oh God. We pray these things, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, and our King, and for this precious little girl. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Congregation, I present to you Eliah Ruth Folkert, a child of the covenant. Make sure that you treat her as a child of the covenant. She's a member of this body, just like you are. She's not less of a member. She's not half a member. She's a full member of this body. You make sure that you treat her as a member of the covenant. God bless you. God bless you. I love you guys so much. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, little man. You treat your sister well. Okay. Oh, Asher, Asher, I have a job for you. Come on up here. Come on up here. Don't be afraid. I got a certificate. Just give that to your mom and dad. all right we'll plan next Sunday to have little Seth baptized and I'm not sure but I believe I know that Ty is wanting to get baptized in February so we might be able to do that next Sunday also I'd like to take uh, a few moments before we go to the Lord at our prayer time we've got uh, a couple of praise reports let me give you one huge answer to prayer don't you love the answers to prayer that you know are answers to prayer because you didn't tell anybody else, you only prayed and only God knew about it? So for about the last year I've been praying every day that God works it out, that my fellow elder Don Brosimley is able to make it to our congregation more than he does. Most of you know there's a reason, not because Don's laying out of church, Do you know that Don is the director of church relations with Mount Hermon. Does everybody know basically what his job is there? He's basically the rainmaker. You know what the rainmaker is, right? You know that Don's basically a salesman, right? Okay. So Don is a Christian salesman. He goes around and he visits churches all the time and invites people to Mount Hermon. And that's why they have seven and 800 in the summer and so on. That's, but that means, because churches meet on Sunday, like ours, that means he's often gone on Sundays. But he's also an elder here, and so there's this constant battle. So I prayed. Didn't mention it to him. I didn't want him to ever feel the burden of it because that's his job and his calling, and this is his job and calling. So about five or six days ago, he texted me, oh, Andrew, I'm going to be out the next few weeks because we're out, but I want to let you know. We have changed things for the summer, and it looks like now that our summer teaching is going to be at 9 o'clock, and we're not doing the buffet afterwards, and so I'm going to be able to teach and be there, every, as far as I'm concerned, every single Sunday in the summer. That is a huge huge answer to prayer. I didn't tell anybody that. I wrote him. I said, Don, I I wouldn't tell you that because I wouldn't want you to feel burdened and torn, but God alone did that. and Of course, he rejoiced, and I want you to rejoice with me over that. It's a a great blessing. Other answers to prayer, and then we'll have a time for prayer requests. Leslie. I know we've all been praying for rain. When I go to the state capitol and the state government, we've also been praying for rain. Hallelujah. Yes, an answer to prayer. We don't deserve it, but it's God's grace. Yes. Amen. Other answers to prayer. Now, specific prayer requests. I know we need some one or, at least one or two reports. Yes, I want to hear from Sarah. Amen.